This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and the Big Change Program with Josh Lajani. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live an expansive and empowered life. Before we get started, one piece of business, you can pick up the Boomeritis BS report at plantyourself.com slash boomeritis. It's a piece from the archives. I wrote it over 10 years ago and lost it in my hard drive and just found it. And it's pretty much just as relevant now as it was then. And it refers to the fact that lots of healthcare professionals tell boomers, baby boomers, to slow down with the exercise because they're going to hurt themselves. And as the title suggests, that's BS, and you'll find out why at plantyourself.com slash boomeritis. That's boomer, I-T-I-S. All right, let's get right to today's show, which features my good friend and neighbor, Kathy Hester. Kathy is a combination of a cookbook factory and a mad scientist. And I love having her on the podcast, partly because she's one of the few people who comes into the studio, and I do get lonely out here in the woods, and partly because she brings me these great vegan goodies to share with my family, sometimes, and partly because she's always pushing the boundaries on how to make healthy plant-based meals easier and tastier and mainstreamier. And she has a fascination with technology, kind of like I do, but I don't have a really big kitchen, so I tend not to buy gadgets until I know they're going to be worth the space that they take and the effort they're going to take to clean. And Kathy has introduced me to slow cooking, and her latest fascination is the electric pressure cooker, and specifically the brand known as Instant Pot, who have done an amazing job of marketing through kind of viral and community means the, uh, the wonders of electric pressure cooking. And the, pressure, the electric pressure cooker really is kind of a game changer. It has been for, for my family and for lots of other people. It, it's not simply a let's do this a little bit easier, a little bit better, a little bit more convenient. It really allows us to do things that we simply couldn't have done before unless you had somebody in the household who was just going to stay home and cook. It's, it's kind of like your stay-home cook in a, in a box with an uh, electrical outlet. So you may have noticed I don't do a ton of cookbook author interviews anymore. That's kind of how the podcast started, frankly. I was uh, trying to help promote the book Whole that uh, Colin Campbell wrote with my help. And one of the strategies, frankly, to promote the book was to have people on the podcast who would be able to promote Whole to their audiences. So I started out very cookbook heavy, and the show has evolved as I have evolved over the years. And as you'll see in this interview, Kathy is the sort of cookbook author and chef and educator who really focuses on empowering her readers to get more healthy plant-based food into their lives and is easy and efficient and delicious way as possible. We also talk about the air fryer, something I've never actually seen but have heard a lot about, and frankly, I'm not convinced, but maybe you will be. So, without further ado, Kathy Hester, welcome back to the Plant Yourself Podcast. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, we're, uh, we're playing nice here. We're in the studio, in the, in the shed quarters in the woods, and we're sharing one microphone because I can't figure out why the other microphone is not working, but I think we can we can make this work. Um, I'm sitting here with your new book, The Ultimate Vegan Cookbook for Your Instant Pot, 80 Easy and Delicious Plant-Based Recipes That You Can Make in Half the Time. And I wanted to talk to you today about, about the book and kind of about making things easy for people and also 
allowing them to um, to use your books not as um, as necessarily you know step by step guides, but as inspirations for the things that people are are, are able to make on their own that maybe they, they weren't aware. And that's exactly what I hope my cookbooks are. Um, <clears throat> every recipe starts like if I'm making something just for myself that's not in the going to go in a book. I don't write down the amount of spices as I put them in. I smell over the pot, and I hold um, maybe basil over the pot to smell what's already cooking. And you'll quickly know that if basil is a fit or not, because you'll either feel a little nauseous, which means don't put me in your stew, or you will think, ooh, this sounds really yummy, so I'll do that, you know, I'll add that in. And I think you can go step by step with with any of that stuff. And it depends on what you have in your house. So I want everyone to look at the recipes that I have and tailor them for their own tastes, their own situations. If you have children, you might have to do things a little bit differently. If you like all of your food super spicy, you're going to have to change things a little bit. And I think once you start experimenting a little bit, so start with a recipe, use most of the ingredients, and change one or two, and then see how that works out for you. And then you'll have the confidence to start doing it yourself. That's how I started making recipes. So I used to follow recipes like OCD exactly. All right. So the the interesting thing about the Instant Pot is that it kind of lends itself to certain types of cooking. Um, so I, you know, I first saw one when Chef AJ did a demonstration, and I think I like whipped out my phone and ordered it before she was done because I was just I was just so impressed and I think I have I have two now um, and they're you know they're great for going around and evangelizing and doing demos because you don't need the the flame and the the all the equipment just bring the one thing um, but so you've your philosophy is kind of like yeah let's be general but let's be very very specific very specifically general in that you, you're giving people very, very specific steps. Even you've got like a five-page spread on all the buttons of the Instant Pot, which is not a – it's a brand of like multi-cooker. It's one particular brand, and you really want it to, to give people like very, very exact instructions so they're comfortable using this one thing. That's correct. Um, what I found – is that a lot of people have Instant Pots. There are lots of other multi-cookers that have an electric pressure cooker function, and you can use any of those for these recipes. However, like what was it last summer, like 2 million or 500,000 sold on Amazon, and then I think another million sold at Christmas. So it's a brand that people, especially in the vegan community, because of Chef AJ and some, some other people who've been into it, they know well. And so what I noticed is when I started following in these Instant Pot groups is that people didn't know what the buttons did. Or they would be like, well, should I use the bean button for all my beans? And, the, and a lot of those are just kind of general buttons, algorithms that actually do use the electric pressure cooker function. So if you learned from someone like Jill Nusenow, that you want to cook your steel-cut oats for three minutes on manual, if you're cooking it the equivalent on one of those other buttons, it doesn't really matter. But what is kind of cool is, like, there's a there's a grain button, and if you do it a certain way, because they have, like, high and low and different functions, I'm, 
I'm really, really bad about soaking grain. So, like, if I go for it and I soak wheat berries, then something will happen the next day. And they will be on my counter until they become bird food. And that makes me really sad. So, one of the functions is you actually put it in and you press this special button and it kind of cooks on warm for, like, I think it's 45 minutes. I'd have to look in the book to get exactly the... um the amount, but like 45 to 60 minutes, so it's kind of on warm, which is like a, it, the equivalent of a soak. Then it goes up to a regular pressure cooker for a certain period of time. So for people who are old and forgetful like me and who really hate to waste food, I think it's a great way to cook things like oat groats and wheat berries and things. And, and actually, even the pressure cooker alone is great to do dry beans and longer cooking grains because it cooks you know, really in much, much faster amount of time. So when did you first discover the electric pressure cooker and the Instant Pot in particular? Was there, was there anything you had to, like, unlearn or relearn, or was it just like, you know, hello, baby, welcome to my life? That's a great question. So I got it because I wanted to play with something after I finished a book. So I was tired of working on my book, and I was tired of writing down all the tiny little amounts of herbs as I added them. And I just wanted something just to to play and have fun with. And what was very interesting to me, so I got it and I'm like, what What are all these buttons? What does this stuff mean? The, the manual isn't that great. And so my learning curve was pretty steep with it. And this is actually my very first pressure cooker. I don't have a pressure cooker for the stove and it they make me nervous still and it's unreasonable. And if you use one, you should definitely look to Jill Newsonell to get some great information. Also, J.L. Field has a great book on um, stovetop pressure cookers. But if you're kind of a weenie about them like I am, it's awesome because it's so safe and really foolproof. And it actually doesn't get up to as high a pressure too, which somehow makes me feel slightly more secure. Uh, but what I did find and what you can find too right now if you want to get my book or not, on Facebook, there are probably six amazing vegan Instant Pot groups. And what happened is, so I had been kind of all alone on my own doing my cookbook in my little hole, and I came out and I joined one of those groups. And it's the best Facebook group I've ever seen. And it was 
it was so refreshing. So when you finish a book, sometimes there are, you turn in the manuscript because you're never finished ever. um, But there's kind of this low, you know, you're kind of like waiting for all the edits to come back. And so it's usually not the high point of my year. And going into this um, vegan instant pot group actually made me super happy. Everybody was helping everybody. It was just great seeing this um, cooperation and everybody working together to make food better. So I don't know that that also really turned me on to the instant pot in particular. So do you have any affiliation with the company um, or is it just like this is the one that everybody's using, so you might as well just get, get behind it? I don't have any affiliation. Actually, Chef AJ, when I did an interview with her last month, she introduced me to, to the person. So um, there may be some future collaboration, but the reason this book name is so awkward is because it is actually not from the Instant Pot people, which is why it's the vegan the ultimate vegan cookbook for your Instant Pot instead of vegan Instant Pot. So it was like a legal issue with them that they just didn't, they didn't know enough about you to get behind that? Well, the person that I knew isn't there anymore, but I think a lot of people were starting to do Instant Pot books. And the same publisher that I was with actually did a paleo Instant Pot book. And I think it's called something like the ultimate paleo cookbook for your Instant Pot or something real similar. So I think they just maybe asked once and took it from there. So for people who do not have an Instant Pot, um, how, how, how would you sell it? to them, especially people who want to eat healthy, who want to eat plant-based. Like, how is this additional thing in your kitchen, in your life, going to make things easier and better? Okay, well, those of you who know me at all know that I am definitely an appliance kind of person. I started doing things for the slow cooker because it's real easy for people to throw in some stuff, go to work, and come back. And Jill Newsonow and I are actually friends. Um, and we were talking about this because she's like, I just can never cook food that long. And I'm like, I'm not in the kitchen. I don't care how long it cooks. And then when I started doing the Instant Pot, I felt exactly the same. It's still lots of hands-off time, even though the actual cooking time is quicker. So one of the things that I will do, and, and it kind of depends on what kind of person you are. If you're, the, if you're in a morning person and you're awesome with throwing everything together in the morning, Slow cookers may be a little bit better choice for you because then you throw it in and you're home, you don't want to do anything, and you scoop out your dinner. However, if you don't like to get up early before you go to work or you have, you know, a good half hour in you, maybe, you know, once you come home, then just come home and start making your dinner while it's cooking on the pressure setting. You don't have to be in front of it. You can go on the deck, read a book, have a glass of wine, take a walk don't even have to be in the house. Whereas if you were making the same thing on the stove, you would have to be there in front of the stove, you know, 90% of the time. So I have to admit that I'm one of the people who doesn't know what any of the buttons do except for like on and off. So I, I, you know, I see that there's a grain button and a yogurt button and a bean button and a stew button, but I kind of assume it's the same as like when I had a microwave and it said popcorn, and I just figured it was it was just for, you know, stupid people like me who didn't want to look up how many minutes it took to do a bag of popcorn. But um, well, like, 
I'm noticing as I leaf through the book, you've got some really interesting tricks, like sort of a graduate school instant pot <laughs> stuff. Can you talk about some of those, like, you know, multi-layering and things like that? Oh, sure. Um, and I think you're kind of right. I think that instant pot wanted to make it so you could push a button and do it. I think with our vegan cooking, it doesn't always work right. And one thing I really want to let everybody know, unless you're cooking white rice, White refined rice, do not use the rice button. The rice button, is it makes it work like a rice cooker. It goes off of weight, and it's not going to cook your brown rice correctly. However, you can um, put in like, I think it's like a cup or two cups of brown rice or brown jasmine rice, brown basmati rice. Those are my favorites. And about a cup and a quarter to just a little bit over that and then cook it for like 23 to 24 minutes and so when also one thing you need to know when we're saying cook time cook time is different than like on the stove if you're cooking something for 23 minutes you're expecting at minute 24 i'm gonna eat it right well with an instant pot and if you're using a pressure cooker setting it has to build up that pressure so it could take 10 minutes 15 minutes, depending on the weather. If it's super cold, it can take a long time for it to come up to pressure and push the little pin up. And that's when you can't take the lid off for safety reasons. And then once the cooking time shuts off, you have to wait a little bit of time, most of the time, to release that pressure. And so there's something called natural pressure release that you'll see online as NPR. And basically, that just means you just keep reading your book till the little pen comes down and then dinner is magically ready. And I do that a lot because I like to have hands-off time. Now, there's uh, another way you could do kind of half and half. You could um, let it sit for about 10 minutes and the Instant Pot is going to count that time for you. And then you can kind of move the valve to open it up and you want to do that very carefully and probably with a pot holder until you get the feel of where things go. I'm kind of a danger, you know, danger instant pot person. <laughs> so I do things you shouldn't do. Um, what you have to be careful of, if you do a manual pressure release, that means you're going to just move that open. You're going to open the vent and hot air is going to rush out the top. And if, you, if you're doing a soup or something with lots of liquid, liquid is going to also come out the top. So if it's a stew, if it's you know, something thicker, manual pressure release, you don't have to think much about. If it's soup, you still can do it, but you need to do it in little spurts. Think of it as if you were pulsing in the food processor. So when I use the Instant Pot, I just, like, pour all the stuff in there and close the lid and push a button. But you have ways where you have, like, um, racks of things. You have, like, like different layers. Can you describe like how you do that and what else you'd need? And, and like, what's, what's the purpose of that as opposed to my, you know, just make a pot of slop. It is perfectly fine to make a pot of slop anytime, anywhere. And I think that's a good way to start experimenting with it too. Um, one thing that I like to do is kind of, fun tricks with whatever appliance I'm using. So I like a lot of Indian food. We eat a lot of Indian food. So I wanted to be able to make kind of like a, um, a rice or a rice pilaf. I wanted to have um, a dal and some vegetables. So you could, 
they have some special stainless steel stacking pans in a rack, and they're like 30 bucks, and you don't need them. You probably have Pyrex or any other oven-safe dish in your um, kitchen that fits in your Instant Pot. And you can cover the top with aluminum foil, and you can stack them. And what I do sometimes, and this is kind of messy, is I'll put the, the rack that came with the Instant Pot down and cook the rice down in there. And so you're really going to have to clean that. So just just know that that's already happening. Um, and then on top of that, I think, okay, between split peas and root vegetables. Root vegetables need to cook a little bit longer. So then I'm going to put those on top of the rice, which is going to cook the longest. However, it is not in a pot. So it's going to cook in a normal amount of time that it would in the pot. And we're slowing down a little bit on the root vegetables and slowing down ever so slightly on the lentils so that they kind of catch up. So if you're trying something like this, you want the thing that cooks the fastest to be closest to the top. The thing that needs to cook the longest needs to be at the bottom, not in a container. Do you have um, videos or things on the on the Facebook group? Because I'm looking at the... The, the CSA layered Indian dinner on page 186 with the photo on 187. It looks gorgeous. You've got the rice in one, the, the dal uh, at the top right, and then these looks like beets um, mm-hmm. on, on the bottom with some shredded coconut on it. I can't quite picture like how it goes into the Instant Pot. Is there, is there more visuals anywhere? I'm working on getting some videos together. That probably won't happen until June. So... Um, trying to think if i can explain it better you know june is fine we're, we're, we're recording middle of april but we're probably not going to uh, publish this until late may or early june so you're giving people just the right amount of uh of titillation and excitement <laughs> okay great um some other things you can do too if you have a bamboo steamer now and after anything i'm telling you to put in your instant pot you're going to hear Make sure yours fits in your Instant Pot because you don't want to load all the stuff in and then go, whoops, it doesn't work. And and also some of the newer six-quart Instant Pots are not fitting the Pyrex three-cup rectangle pans the same way. I had a uh, a reader tell me that he was having problems. He had a different a different version, though. So what I'm recommending now is before if you're going to go buy something, Measure the inside of your um, Instant Pot liner, and then that way you'll know. Because you can stack those three-cup three rectangle Pyrex on top as well. Or you can just go everywhere with your Instant Pot insert, just in case you happen to come across a piece of Pyrex that you, you might want to buy or not. Right? So I'm, I'm on page um, 109, and the, the spread here just blew my mind because it's whole grain cornbread. And you're doing cornbread in the Instant Pot? Oh, yeah. You can. <laughs> so things that, when you think about this, a slow cooker and an Instant Pot as well, they're cooking with moist heat. And so anything that likes moist is going to be good. So we like moist cornbread. You know, the thing we complain about is dry cornbread. And so it's cooking with that moist heat. I also have um, like a holiday kind of almost in between a cake and a steamed pudding, and it uses kind of the same principle. Um, And so what you want to do is the the rack that came with your Instant Pot 
is going to become more important when you're doing some of these things. Because one thing you have to know is you never cook anything in your Instant Pot without liquid. So if I'm cooking cornbread or I'm cooking a cake, I probably have at least a cup of water at the bottom of that liner just under where the rack fits because it's a tiny, short, little rack. Then I'm going to put my um, pan that fits in my Instant Pot. Because I've even had testers go ahead and put some, they thought it would fit, and then they were like, oh, I had to scrape it out and start all over again. And so then you put it in. Um, I cover it with aluminum foil. If you're anti-aluminum foil, you can't just use um, parchment paper, but you can cover underneath it with parchment paper. The parchment paper will break up and get stuck, and so that can be a safety hazard. So is there a kind of a couple of templates? Like we talked about, like, you know, you've got specifics, but if someone comes home and they're not ready to go out shopping again and they've got like some root vegetables or some fresh vegetables, some spice mixes, is there a way that if if you just, you know, if you were forced to do like an Iron Chef and you had no control over, like you just had some produce and some spices, like what what are a couple of like no-brainer go-tos that someone could use for, for their Instant Pot to get, like, a, a hearty family meal on the table? My first go-to experiment is with soups. And so what I would do is you could go ahead and uh, water saute some onion, garlic. You want to get some aromatics in there. Um, if you decide you want to go a little bit of Asian or you want to go a little towards Indian, you could add some ginger in there as well. Um, and that would have to do directly with what spices that you have around. If you don't have a lot of spices, you could actually kind of make um, maybe like a, let's say, an egg, egg roll soup. So I could use the cabbage and the carrots. I could use ginger, a little soy sauce, a little rice wine vinegar, maybe some mushrooms. Um, so... I make soups typically like medium stews. So my stews are like, they'll hold up like a log. You know, they're thick. Um, But I would do something like that. And then also if you had something like tofu, if you eat eat soy, I would go ahead and make maybe some um, tofu croutons to put on top to kind of add in a little more protein. Top it with some fresh bean sprouts if you had it. Um, Sesame seeds. You said the P word, protein. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pass. But yeah. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> after having worked on proteinaholic with uh, with Garth Davis, it's like <laughs> it's become a curse word for me. <laughs> but uh, I, I I get it. Um, I love. You know, I was I was watching. I'm um, I'm sort of you know monitoring the audio here since we only have one mic, and I I saw like there's this pause. You can see on the on the uh, on the audio uh, track between like minute twenty oh twenty one forty two and twenty one fifty where you were inventing something in your head. You were like egg roll soup, and then you had this like pause, and you're like carrots and 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 uh, and um, cabbage, and it's like like that's how you like you just invented something, right. right? How do how do you how did you do that? How do you you know, is this like one of these Hollywood things like, you know, Bambi meets Godzilla or where you're just 
taking two opposites and trying to cram them together to make something new? You know, the, my very favorite part of my job is recipe development. And so I think I probably said this on our last interview is that I, I like, I consider myself kind of a mad scientist in the kitchen. So I'll come up with some stupid idea that shouldn't work at all. Um, like when I wanted to make an oat-based vegan cheese powder. Like, that sounds crazy even just saying it out loud. So I put it off and I put it off. Then one day I'm like, I'm going to fail on this oat cheese powder today and I'll just get it out of my system. And it worked. And it's awesome. And the oats thicken it up and the nutritional yeast gives it flavor. So I think, usually I think of something. I do have some goal like I go, okay, egg roll. I was going to go Chinese, Chinese flavors. Or I could have had said maybe let's make something a Kung Pao inspired stew. So usually I do start with some flavors that I'm familiar with and then try to take it in a really weird way. And it, it seems like that attitude could serve all of us, right? Because we, you know, we were talking earlier before we, before we got on the air about you, you had a great line. I don't know if you want me to share it or not, but, uh, you know, if you can pee, you can probably cook. <laughs> and, like, why why people think that cooking is so hard when, you know, if you've descended from people who were able to feed themselves for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And this, I think, we you know, we, we live in this culture in which we're supposed to outsource everything, right? We go, we get good at one thing or we devote our lives to the one thing whether, you know, it's our job or our, our professional development, and then everything else has to be kind of a, you know, it's got to be a special hobby that we do. Otherwise, it's not worth it because every, we, everything can be mass-produced so cheaply. But you're, you're really talking about, like, taking back not just being able to follow a recipe, but taking back the, the agency over, like, these are the flavors I like, these are the things I like, and I'm just going to go in and give myself permission to fail and just play around. And one of my biggest things is that you can't succeed at something unless you're willing to fail. And I think that even counts on something as small as dinner or painting a wall. I, I suck at painting. So, and, and I'm scared to be on a ladder. So I'm the worst person to paint, but I'll still go ahead and give it a go. And if I fail, it's just not the end of the world. And what I try to teach people, too, about cooking is that, you know, if you try to make a soup off the top of your head, if you keep smelling and tasting it, you're going to know before it goes really south. And while it may not be the best soup you've ever had in your life, it's going to be just as good as pasta and jarred sauce that you would make anyhow. So there, you're really not losing anything, but you are opening up the possibilities to really gain some skills to make exactly what you want. You may not like the spices I like. So you may make one of my recipes and think, ah, that wasn't very fun for me. Well, then you need to change it. You know, a lot of people say they don't like Indian food or they don't like curry. And that's kind of... A sm taking a small section of a giant area of cuisine. There's, there's things that are spicy and things that are not spicy. And so once you find out what you really like, it's easy to hone in on that. So one thing just caught my eye, page 163, you have welcome spring pea. I don't know if it's welcome spring or welcome spring pea. <laughs> uh, and at asparagus risotto. So I thought risotto is like this thing that you have to stir 
and add water like scientifically for hours and you'll probably never ever get it right i thought that was one of those you know culinary challenges you're saying you could do it in an instant pot and just close the lid and it'll be all right yep (laughs) i've also done it in the slow cooker i've done it in a dutch oven in in the oven cooking i did that in the great vegan bean book there are lots of different ways to do things and there's always going to be something that one person says is the only way you can do it and if that's the way you want to do it that's awesome if i my wrists actually i have some trouble with so me standing in front of a stove for an hour pouring in stuff and stirring that whole time is very difficult for me this is not and if we did a taste test with all the different methods, maybe you could pick out the right one. I don't know that I could. Right. And, and it's, you know, sort of the, the law of marginal returns, right? So if you're telling me I can do a risotto that's 90% as good just by, by putting it in this appliance and, and walking away from it and coming back whenever I feel like it, that's a pretty good deal. So on the way over to to the shed quarters, we, you mentioned another book you're working on and another appliance, and I immediately had a an extremely agitated uh, reaction to the idea of another effing appliance in my kitchen. But you were doing a real good job of uh, of, of convincing me to have an open mind about it. Can you talk about the new appliance, um, why you like it, and why why you're drawn to make a cookbook up for it? Well, much like um, the Instant Pot, I finished a book, which was the Instant Pot book, and I wanted something new to play with. So I got an air fryer. And if you're out and about on vegan or plant-based sites, you've probably heard about it by now. And actually, J.O. Fields has um, a vegan air frying enthusiast Facebook group that you should check out if you already have one. So much like the Instant Pots, people get air fryers and they just kind of sit they're in the boxes and people aren't sure what to do or why they're doing it and people get nervous about it. So um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to go ahead and, and do a book as well. Plus I seriously got beat over the head in like four different directions to do this cookbook. I had um, readers contact me. My agent wanted me to do one and then finally the publisher emailed me and so I gave in. Um, and I'm really loving it. Because it's kind of like a convection oven. So it's probably a little bit smaller footprint than a microwave, but it's taller. It comes in all different kinds of sizes. So if you're looking for an inexpensive one to start with, I started with a GoWise, and I was pretty happy with that. I also got the Philips Extra Large, and I was pretty happy with that. But I quickly learned not to have that and the GoWise plugged into one plug because there was smoke and stuff. (laughs) So I figured I had two Instant Pots plugged in there. It should be, you know, fine. But the Philips Extra Large is known to pull more power. So that's something to think about. Um, But you can make things like French fries. You can make them oil-free. You could, yes, make fried pickles. And you can make your own crispy chickpeas without paying $6 a bag for them. And you can also bake in it and roast in it. So you could kind of use it as a multi-purpose appliance. So if I already have an oven, why, why would this be an advantage? I don't like using my oven in the summer. 
And so I'm working on this book and developing recipes now, and I'm really glad my oven isn't on constantly because it's already getting warm. Um, Also, it cooks in less time. So I was telling Howard that I made some Teff burgers. And so I baked them in the oven, and I did some of them in the air fryer. And it probably took less than half the time to do them in the air fryer. And they were crunchier. They had a better kind of feel to the outside of them. Um, And you can cook anything with or without some oil in the air fryer, pretty much no matter what anybody tells you. So I don't, I've never seen one. Um, like what, what even is, 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 is it like, I, I'm trying to imagine like one of these old, like, uh, uh, dedicated popcorn poppers with like a plastic lid. Okay. Let's see if I can do this. So, Think, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is like the perfect use of a podcast. Right? I, I feel like having like coconuts hoofs to, to make the horse sounds. Like let's, let's really give people a picture of the thing. Okay, I'm, I can do this. So imagine a, like a two-foot-tall Easter, plastic Easter egg with the bottom cut off so that it's flat. So you're kind of getting that kind of domed effect. And you are using your hands. <laughs> I know. It. I can't talk without using my hands. So it, so the domed effect, meaning that it's like the top of the Easter egg, it's smaller, and then it gets yeah. bigger you and around. What? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a quick video here. Oh, no. I look horrible. Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay. I wasn't prepared for camera. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, I will give you a picture one you can put up with the podcast, too, though. So, and then what happens, you know how when you see an air fryer basket, right? It's got a handle so that you're not touching the hot oil or the metal that's been in the hot oil. Well, this is a, either a square or a round um, basket. Um, in, in the case of the Phillips, it actually is like a basket. It's got a metal bottom that just is kind of like graph paper. And if you were looking at the go-wise, it actually is a metal nonstick bottom that has lots of holes in it. So that's how those are different. But they both have handles and they both go in. They actually go into a larger container that slides into your cut-off Easter egg and snaps in there. And that's how um, it kind of contains most of the heat. There will be a little ventilation in the back. So as with every single appliance, you need to have be pay attention to what's around. Don't have anything that's going to melt near the things that are getting hot. So I make um, sweet potato fries or or potato fries like slices and things and chunks in the oven, and I'll uh, you know I'll put it on four twenty five, and um, put a uh, baking sheet with parchment paper and turn it. And, you know, maybe I'll add some, some spice mix to the top. How is my experience going to be different and better with an air fryer? Okay. I'm still working on the perfect French fry recipe. So, but typically it depends on how big you're making things. So let's assume we're making kind of like um, a hash, like those smaller cut squarish potatoes, kind of like diced potatoes. Um. What I find is so you'll cook them for like five minutes, then you take the basket and you just shake the basket as if you were shaking a fryer. And I think it helps everything get more evenly cooked. Also, one of the things I like to do with those in particular, I have a Cajun spice mix that I use a lot. 
So you could toss those in a little aquafaba or chickpea liquid and the go ahead and put the spices on. The spices will stick, but they'll also become more fragrant as they're being heated up. And so it kind of comes out all perfect and all the spices are stuck on them really well. So when I think of a fryer, I think of, you know, McDonald's of, uh, or the state fair. I don't know if you've been to the state fair. So, yeah. so you know, well, God knows what comes out of that thing. It's, you know, a Twinkie or a Snickers bar or, a, you know, butter. butter. I don't even understand that. Deep fried butter or, 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 or whatever. So it doesn't, it doesn't, when I think of an air fryer, I, I think of something that can just do one thing. Like I understand, like an instant pot or a multi cooker, like you can do a whole bunch of things, but air fryer just feels like a one trick pony. Like how do you, how do you turn that into a cookbook? Okay, it's a one-trick pony if you think it's only going to be kind of like fair food. So that it's all, um, I just, I did do um, a southern, what am I calling it? It's kind of like a southern chicken fried cauliflower steak with, and, and gravies and sauces you're not making in the Instant Pot. You're making them separately. Um, so you can do things like that, fries. You mean the fryer? Yeah. What did I say? Oh, I'm so sorry. I did mean the air fryer. So I made, um, you know, some slices of that, dipped it in batter, put it in whole whole grain panko crumbs, or you could use, make your own whole wheat bread crumbs. And that's typically how a lot of these fried foods that you're thinking about. Um, with French fries, you're probably going to put a little potato starch on them to make them crispy. And like with potatoes, you have to do a few special things. Like you have to, if it's white potatoes, you have to soak them. And so there's a little bit to do with sweet potatoes. You just throw them in and you're good to go. Now, some of the other things you can do in it, because I've noticed since I've had mine, I've been heating up a lot of food. So I've been heating up leftovers. I made a roasted salsa. I also made a side dish that was just roasted broccoli. And so if you've, there's a restaurant near here, Remedy Diner, that has a fried broccoli side. And they really do put like half out of broccoli just right into the deep fryer, which I don't find incredibly pleasant. But um, but it does have a unique kind of crispiness to like the little mini flowers on the top of the bro- broccoli florets. And I noticed when I did that in the air fryer, it still had that really kind of fun, a little bit crispy, but still moist and soft. And that was even without any oil. Uh, I made a tomatillo jalapeno salsa by just cutting them, some tomatillos in half, some onions, some garlic cloves, um, jalapenos, I think I already said that, then roasted them for maybe 15, 20 minutes in the air fryer, and then I just threw them in the blender and magic. So it sounds, sounds like it's a, it's a great sort of transitional food production machine for people who who are, are really emotionally attached to their their southern fare, um, but also but also can just be used um, creatively to to do lots of things that say like you just want a little bit of crunch to it. Right. Yeah, and and with the Instapot, we're cooking with moist air, and the air fryer, we're cooking with dry air, and so that's really the difference in the textures. And so if you have I tend to make a big pot of refried beans a lot of times and just keep it in the fridge and have some in the freezer. So I'll make burritos and stick them in the freezer as well. So I can remove a frozen burrito ready-made, throw it in my air fryer for like 10 to 15 minutes until the 
center gets warm and it's like crisp like a fried chimichanga so that's pretty awesome and the other way you do that it was in the microwave and that would come out kind of uh, <laughs> that was a good face you made there <laughs> your face just melted as i said that it's what, what it's like it's like kind of um it, it all becomes wet and it falls apart yeah i I'm not a huge microwave proponent. I use it sometimes to melt chocolate or something, but I don't heat up leftovers in it because it makes everything gummy and the same texture, and it. I just find it unpleasant. If you don't find it unpleasant, you know, nothing to worry about. But there is, I think the burritos are definitely the way to win people over. So if you're really wanting someone to get you a, a an air fryer, borrow a friend's and make, make them burritos. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll do I'll do a GoFundMe campaign to get to get an air fryer and then and then a a bigger house and a bigger kitchen to go with it. So I got a place to put the thing. Um, no, it sounds it sounds good. Any, any other? Uh, so this is your next cookbook. When 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 are you planning on uh, having this one come out? This one comes out next June. So June twenty eighteen. Do you have uh, plans beyond that in terms of? Uh, you know, new new culinary innovations, you know, I don't know, astronaut food, <laughs> uh, flat freeze-drying. If somebody wants to pay me to make astronaut food, I would totally do that. So if there's anybody out there that wants to pay me to write a book about something weird, as long as it's vegan, um, I'm in. I, ha- I have a few ideas, but like right now, I'm actually, my manuscript is due the end of May. So I'm like deep in the middle of testing for the air fryer cookbook. So any ideas I come up with now will probably be more play toys for once this is done before editing happens. And aside from the cookbooks, what else are you up to in terms of, I don't know, you say you have Facebook groups. Like what do you hear from people? What, um, you know, I know you're, you're, you're clearly not in this for the money. Like, you know, you yeah, we need to, we need to make a living, but this is not like you know you figured out on the back of a napkin how to become a, a multimillionaire. So the, obviously the mission is very important to you. What do you hear from people from 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 blog readers, from people that you meet, from cookbook readers, from Facebook readers? Like what what's what's the sort of emotional currency that that makes you happy or keeps you going? Well, I find that people are so sweet. And, and so glad to have someone help them. Um, and I, I do enjoy that. I really try to be available to answer questions on Facebook. And that's one of the reasons I started the Facebook group. And, again, that's uh, Vegan Cooking with Kathy Hester. It's a private group, um, so you have to request to join, but then I'll let you in. There's no, like, weird membership thing. But one of the reasons I started that was so I could have more personal conversations with a group of people. Facebook pages have kind of gotten impersonal, and you're just kind of going, here's a recipe, and some people like it. And, you know, out of 25,000 people that are on my Facebook page, 300 people maybe see it. So if you're in a Facebook group, you're more likely to see what I put out. And so I've, I did my very first Facebook Live. So I was just kind of just saying hey and telling people. I'm hoping to do some demos there. Um, I've been able to do a lot of polls and ask people things and learn more about my audience, which has been really cool. Like, you know, who's oil-free, who's not, who's allergic to gluten, who's just avoiding gluten. 
but then also people get to ask me direct questions all the time. And one was, what cookbook should I have? And actually someone else was so sweet when you're talking about how nice people are. And she actually just said, thanks for letting me in the group. I know that you're so busy and your time is valuable and I really appreciate you answering questions. And that, that just kind of melted me, you know? So like if you're having a bad day, hearing something like that just makes it all better. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be like 1130 in the morning. I'll just be lying on the couch and I'll get an email from someone saying, I know how busy you are. And I'm like, I'm glad someone thinks that. (laughs) No, I know you are. You are incredibly busy. It, t- it took us like nine months to <laughs> to schedule this. So I'm I'm, uh, I'm very happy to to have you here. Um, so the the cookbook again is the ultimate, the the ultimate kick ass bestest <laughs> bar none vegan cookbook for your instant pot by my guest Kathy Hester. It is a gorgeous book. The photos are are light and bright. That you took you took the photos. Yeah, this was the first book I. Took. This was the first book I shot myself, and I'm shooting my next book as well. Cool, because you know I I, I run every, every all the the uh, vegan cookbooks. My my daughter's an artist, so she um, she showed me uh, like a Jamie Oliver cookbook with uh, like she's like these are good pictures. So now every, everything I'm looking at is like, well, is it good as Jamie Oliver? These these are gorgeous. So I like the um, the the backgrounds and the and the lighting and the. Where you know what's in focus and what isn't, and uh, it's a it's 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 an inspiring cookbook. You open it up to any page, and you will see something that will make you wanna wanna cook. And hopefully, you'll find lots of easy things too. Because I was as you were flipping through, I saw the um, forget. I think I call it the summer dinner or something. So basically, you're you personally with your farm here would go and pick your corn and green beans and everything and you can just cook them all up in a quick meal that doesn't heat up the kitchen and hopefully that works and I just realized too I didn't talk about a couple of the other settings that are good and one is steam and steam is is a little bit special you never want to use it without water of course you never want to use any of these without water except for one exception I'm going to tell you about next and then you can go ahead and steam. I steam tamales. I steam um, Asian dumplings. And it what happens is it gets super hot on the bottom, so it cooks it really well. And the other one that I think Howard mentioned he didn't really like as much was the yogurt setting. And the yogurt setting is awesome. And <laughs> and how, now Howard's making the face. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm making that face that the dog makes when you, like, make his ball disappear. <laughs> Yogurt setting? I mean, just for for making yogurt? Um, it makes amazing soy yogurt. Um, you have to do some things, a little magic if you want something that's not soy. But um, if you want soy yogurt, is all you have to do is have a container of soy milk that's pre-made that only has soybeans and water and the barest ingredients and a vegan yogurt culture. And then magically you get really thick not costing seven and eight dollars yogurt which is pretty awesome and i use that a lot instead of like where people would use sour cream or to make things curries creamy and the other thing that i've used um the yogurt setting for is to make utapam batter and so utapam batter you might know dosas more dosas are like a big indian crepe that's made with um split skinned um 
black beans called uridal and white rice. But I'm using things like, I think I have quinoa and millet maybe and brown rice. So I have a few different grains. So what you do is you soak those with the uridal. And if you don't have an Indian grocery, you can get them online at Amazon. They're awesome. And you're going to soak those. Then you blend it up later on, like in your Blendtec or your Vitamix or your regular blender, and then you ferment it. So traditionally, or at least a lot of the Indian people I know actually ferment it in their oven with just the light bulb on overnight. But what happens since you're in this contained environment, it's always the same. So it doesn't matter that it got colder or it got hotter. It just kind of all comes up. And Utapoms are are like the easy breezy pancake version of doses, and they are they are real. Doses are like these beautiful giant fanned out crepes that are rolled up often with um, a potato center. And utapoms, you just plop the batter right in your frying pan, throw some stuff on it, and turn it over, and it's done. Looks kind of like a uh, uh, an egg free omelet sort of, or, or like a frittata. Like you just, the vegetables look like they're just sort of like embedded in the bottom. Yeah. So what I do is I take a scoop of, of the batter and then I'll do things like chopped onions, um, shredded carrots, cilantro, and I just throw those on top. And then when you flip the pancake over, it cooks, it cooks those as well. Cool. And that's page 100, 101 for, for all you, uh. People who've rushed out to buy the cookbook, and it's, it's, it's on its way already. All right, well, now I'm hungry, so uh, it's time to, time to close the shop for today. Kathy Hester, thank you so much for coming out for, uh, for the cookbook, for all you do. Thank you. I really appreciate you inviting me on again. Uh, take care. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And for more information about the Big Change Program, led by me and Josh Lajani, visit bigchangeprogram.com. Be sure to check out the show notes for today's episodes with links to Kathy's books and the Facebook groups at plantyourself.com slash 214. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 213 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast, but not my weekly-ish newsletter, The Big Change Bulldog, you can sign up. And also get the Boomeritis BS report at plantyourself.com slash boomeritis. Thanks to Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Morrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Flakinowski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolan, Ova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Patterson, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Bedham, Gila, the Cert, David Donna, you, oh. Oh, just a few to go, and I want to get them right because they're new. I don't want to alienate them so quickly. Blair Seibert, Daron Avizov, which rhymes with keep the cheese off, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, and Ruthann Funderburk for your generous support of the podcast. And thanks also to Will Reidenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willreidenauer.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can share this and other episodes on social media and via email. You could write a review on iTunes. Here's a review that I got on June 4th by Discovering Me. 
And Discovering Me says, I love the nutrition, science-based knowledge you present. Very informative guests. I always learn something new. Thank you so much, Discovering Me. So far, you're my one and only June review, so I appreciate that very much, and I hope other folks will be inspired by your example to get on iTunes, leave a review, and help us spread the movement. A third way to help is to become a patron of the show with a one-time gift or ongoing contribution over at plantyourself.com, and I'm starting to hatch some ideas for special stuff for patrons. I've really resisted this because everything I do, I like to make available to everyone, but I was listening to a Waking Up with Sam Harris podcast, and he was talking about producing premium content just for patrons, but for him, a patron is someone who gives as little as a dollar a month. So it's not really the sort of thing that is going to break most people's banks. So I'm feeling kind of good about doing something to to really reinforce that um, that reciprocity loop. Besides just thanking people in my in my long breath uh, appreciation at the end of each episode. So if you'd like to become a patron of the show with an ongoing contribution, especially that would be the most amazing thing, even if it's just a dollar a month. Um, you can do that at plantyourself.com, right sidebar, donate, Patreon, uh, and you can get it done that way either through Patreon or uh, one-time or ongoing gifts through PayPal. In garden news, it's happened. We now have more basil than we could possibly use, and so we're trying to eat out of the garden every night, which is kind of exciting. One of the interviews that I have coming up in July that I'll be uh, recording in July is with Will Bonsall. And I'm going to put a link to a five-minute piece about Will in the show notes for today's episode. And what I'd like you to do is watch it and then go to Facebook to plant yourself and let me know any questions you'd like me to ask Will because his work is all about radical self-sufficiency in the garden. And the book itself will blow you away. And the interview is about him saving seeds of plants that otherwise are going to be lost forever. So it's very, very inspiring stuff. And if you're interested in gardening or eating or the future of humans on planet Earth, uh, he's a good guy to know. In running news, I am seriously into my taper, heading out to Leadville, Colorado this Thursday to run the Leadville Marathon on Saturday. I just saw an article that I thought was a joke like an onion article but it's uh it's not it apparently is true it's about um the volunteers up on the mountain there in leadville clearing away seven foot piles of snow so that we can run the marathon this coming weekend so that may affect my my uh, clothing choices for the race but uh i i plan on if doing everything possible to uh to survive and finish in one piece and i will let you know all about it next week That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends.